If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. Yeah, there's lots of what ifs. It, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. I I do try to let go of those things and focus on what I have now. Um, I'm feeling very fortunate that I'm able to have a relationship with them and that we all want to be together and we all want to hang out together and are enjoying that time together. Imagine spitting into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. DNA Surprises aren't limited to NPEs. In this week's episode, Debbie shares how she always knew she was adopted and later learned her biological father was dead. Little did she know that a consumer DNA test would change everything. Debbie shares what's been helpful to her throughout her journey and how she's used her own experience to help others. On that note, please stay tuned until the very end of this episode when Debbie and I share a very special announcement. You don't want to miss it. My name is Debbie. I am 54 years old and I'm from Idaho. My DNA surprise story is a little bit different than most people because I knew that I was adopted. I always knew that I was step-parent adopted. My biological parents separated when I was quite young. I was at least a year younger. And so I always knew that my birth certificate father, my stepdad, was my stepdad, played that role. And he adopted me when I was six years old. And that's when my last name changed from my surname that I was born with to his name. So I also knew my surname for my birth, but I didn't know anything about my biological father. And that's where my DNA surprise comes from. 
What were you told? You knew you were adopted. What did you know about your bio dad? I have two full siblings that are six and seven years older than I am. And they knew a little bit about him, but they were also so young that they didn't have a lot of information either. We mostly weren't allowed to talk about our dad or ask questions. Uh, We were kind of told, you have a dad, this is who wants you, who's going to take care of you. And, And that's the way it is, period. We were told that our biological dad didn't want us, that he wouldn't provide financial support for us. And so my mom and my stepdad had made the decision to have him adopt us and just to be our dad from there forward. So for me, my my stepdad and mom got married when I was about two, two and a half. So he is really the only dad I ever knew. And I only ever knew my biological dad's name and that he might live in Canada. Were you curious about him growing up? I was curious, but I think because my parents didn't really allow that curiosity, I never really acted on it a lot. There were things that would happen here and there. My biological dad was a long-haul truck driver, and there were a couple of occasions when a truck dri- a, a, a semi-truck would be in front of our house, and my mom would kind of freak out a little bit. But other than that, we just really didn't... It was just so taboo that I think we just didn't act on anything. It wasn't until I became a lot older that I finally kind of had a desire to know that part of my family. Okay. So once I became an adult, I was probably in my early 20s. My mom told my siblings and I that our dad was killed in a car accident. They both have family in Southern Utah. And she kind of made it sound like someone told someone told her that he had passed away. And Mm -hmm. again, no conversations, no, you know, how are you feeling? No, anything. Just, hey, just so you know, this happened. And I think that she felt like that was going to just completely close the door on anything at all. How did you feel when you heard that? It was really upsetting for me. I were, we were at my brother's house for Thanksgiving. And I remember going upstairs and just kind of feeling like, you know, I had the wind taken out of me. I do think that somewhere at that point, I do think somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought there would be a time I would find him and getting that information sort of made me go, okay, well now that's not going to be an opportunity I'm going to have. So it was really upsetting for me. I didn't, I didn't discuss it with my siblings. I didn't discuss it with my parents because status quo for us was to just not talk about it. Mm. You were in your twenties and you learn that your father has died what happens next? Like, do you just go through life accepting that and coming to terms with it? How did you process? I did. I just went through life, life accepting it and, and just, you know, lived life as normal. We just didn't talk about it. I mean, I can't even say that enough how we just didn't talk about that part of our family. We just didn't. It wasn't until I became a lot older and my kids were grown that I thought that I might want to have some information or some connection to that side of my family. And mm. so having gotten the information that my, my father was deceased, I got married and my husband's adopted and he has connected with his biological mother. And I think that partially helped me to try to quantify my dad. There's a website called find a grave and I would get on that website and I would search for my dad on the find a grave My dad has a fairly common name and not knowing his middle name, his birth date, you know, the year he was born, where he might be buried. I 
wasn't finding any information. So that's when I decided to take a DNA test. I remember saying to my husband, and I've said it many times since then to others, there will be one person in the world that will say one nice thing about my dad. That's mm. kind of what I wanted. Was that kind of your goal there? Did you want, you wanted to connect with people that knew your dad yes. through taking a DNA test. And when you first found out that he had died and you initially were going through everything, there wasn't all this technology to search and do a DNA test and such, right? And we had, again, we had no information. So it was, it would be very difficult to, I mean, I would get on Facebook and I would put his name in and 40 people would pop up with his name. Mm-hmm. And obviously you can eliminate some because they're the wrong age or you know, the wrong ethnicity or something like that, but you're still left with 20 people that I don't know, could this person be? So it was just really frustrating. And, and honestly, given his age, there wasn't really anyone on Facebook that ever, I ever suspected could be him. That was kind of a dead end as well. So you took this DNA test, hoping to connect with one person who might say one nice thing about your dad. Were you also curious about health information or anything like that? For whatever reason, that was never anything that was a driving force for me. I really just wanted to hear something kind. Mm-hmm. And my my husband got me the test for a birthday or something, and it sat in my closet for a few months. I think that's kind of a common thing sometimes when you're taking a DNA for a reason, DNA test for a reason. And when nobody was home, I finally spit into the tube, put it in the mailbox, and it was kind of a, okay, I did it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mail the test off. It, it goes. It goes off. I get the results back. I'm like every single other person. I looked at my ethnicity. Very normal. Nothing unusual. Not that I expected anything unusual. Unusual, but nothing unusual. I connected with many, many people on my mom's side of the family. I saw lots of familiar names. You know, knew lots of the faces, and didn't really have any connections that I could attribute to being someone that was related to my dad. If it was, it was very, very distant. And so I spent a few weeks kind of looking at it, kind of playing around with it, became very frustrated and didn't look at it again for months. And I think at that point I gave up. I think I was like, okay, I've done everything I could do. I'm just going to give up. And when was this? What year was this? This would have been 2018, maybe mid to the end of 2018. So in January of 2019, I got a message on Ancestry, but for whatever reason, I didn't see it. I didn't open it. I didn't look at it. I just was completely oblivious to it. My husband and I were on vacation in May. Well, end of April, beginning of May, we had gone on vacation, and I started getting noticing these emails from Ancestry. And so I opened the first email, and um, it's from a person who I didn't recognize at all, didn't recognize the first name, the last name. And she said, we have a connection. I hope we can figure it out. Where were you born? And I just responded, you know, this is where I was born, gave her, you know, pretty generic little bit of information. And she asked me a couple more questions before finally saying to me, I'm your half sister. We have the same dad. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And I had no idea. I had no idea if I had siblings. I mean, I had no idea what might be out there. And really, I didn't think about it. Okay, so it hadn't occurred to you, like, maybe he went on to have additional children or anything like that. What was your feeling when you find a sister through this? It was really shocking. Um, She she asked me if I knew my older siblings' names. She said their names 
full names, first name and middle name. And I remember when my husband and I were sitting, having a glass of wine, and I remember looking across the table at him and saying, of course, I know their names. How does she know their names? Who is this person? How would she know this information? And at that point, I think that's when I was like, okay, something's up. Here's, this is wild, right? Yeah. And so I emailed her back and I said, yeah, they're my siblings. You know, this is who they are. And, and, you know, we were adopted by our stepdad and I kind of gave her some information. And then it was at that point, she said she was my sister. We had the same father. I emailed her back and I said, I had no idea I had a sister. This is insane. I kind of, I'm in such shock right now. I understand our dad's deceased. And then she emailed me back and said, he's not deceased. He lives here with me in Canada and you have a brother. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. What are you thinking at that point? I just, it's, it's so shocking. It's so surreal. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I started crying. I cried for three days about, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it was so insane. So shocking. Did you tell your other siblings at this point or your mother? So we were out of town when all of this happened. Uh, My sister and I emailed back and forth pretty regularly for the first few days until I got home. My brother had had a little minor surgery, but was healing and kind of out of it from the medication. So I waited a couple of days until he was feeling better. And then I went to his house and talked to him and told him and his daughter was there and his now ex-wife was there at the time. So it was actually kind of nice to have everybody kind of around when I shared the story. He was quite shocked. He said the same thing, our dad's dead. And I said, but he's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he talked to our sister and, you know, we all kind of chatted here and there about it, you know, from there on out. Mm. When you found out this information, were you instantly like wanting to connect? What were your next steps after learning this? Honestly, the first few weeks were kind of a blur. I was, I was excited to connect with them and talk to them. It was, it was fun to talk to my sister and learn about what, to learn about her and her family and things that she had had going on in her life. She was very easy to talk to. I think we connected very well. And then we set up a video chat with my dad. So I got to meet them. Uh, It was my sister, my stepmom and my dad. You know, we met that way before I met them in person later. But what did he have to say about all this? He was very worried that we were mad at him, that we would be angry that he didn't take care of us, that he didn't find us. He, you know, feels like he didn't do his part in raising his children, you know, those kinds of things. They had looked for us. They had some letters and some some photographs that they had sent to different places. Uh, They tried to send letters to like the DMV when they thought we might be old enough to get a driver's license to see if they could figure out where we might be. They knew we were in Idaho. They had the wrong city, uh, but they did make some attempts. Much like me, he didn't remember. He knew the month and the year we were born, but not our birth dates. He -hmm. didn't know what our last name had been changed to. So, and he didn't know what city we were in. So he had, you know, just nuggets of information as well. And this all happened in a late sixties, early seventies when, you know, my mom took us from our the state we had been born to born into, you know, like you said earlier, there was no internet, there was no social media, there was nothing for them to try and find out where we were. So she was able to disappear with you. And Mm -hmm. he wasn't able to find you. Correct. Yeah. So she moved us out of the state we had been living in. She changed her phone number, you know, back then it was landline. We moved a lot. Frankly, we moved a lot. So, you know, we didn't have the same address all the time. 
she took us away from her family in addition to taking us away from his. So I didn't grow up with really any biological family. It was mostly just my stepdad's family. I think they did that to sort of protect themselves and keep us hidden, if you will. Mm, How do you feel about that? Some days I don't feel angry about it. And some days I feel really angry about it. It kind of just depends on the day. Yeah. Have you been able to talk to your mom about it? I have not. So my mom has been ill. She has some dementia and we as siblings decided not to tell her. We didn't want to make her, you know, make things harder for her. So we've just decided not to tell her. We did tell my stepdad. Um, I think that my older siblings have a better relationship with him since this all happened than I do. I've, I've really struggled with that relationship. What do you mean by that? Have you been struggling? When, when everything happened, my siblings said, well, you need to tell dad. I wasn't going to, I didn't want to tell anyone in the family, frankly. I just wanted to live, <laughs> live my life in bliss with, you know, my new family. But they didn't, they didn't want him to find out another way. You know, they said, you know, if he finds out, it's not us that tells and I'll be very hurtful. And, and I agreed. And so I, I called him and told him what happened, gave him the story. And the first thing that he said to me was, well, you wanted me to adopt you. Mm. So that was really, it was really bothersome to me. It didn't seem like he was concerned with how I might be feeling or how, you know, just the situation as a whole, it was more of a, well, this is what you wanted. And I was only six when it all happened. So for me, I'm kind of like, well, I mean, I remember it as being a fun day. I got to put on a party dress. I got to, we got a cake. We had a party. It was fun. Of course, what six-year-old doesn't want that? So no, it's just been really hard and we don't talk about it. Again, we've gone right back to the way things always were, and we don't talk about it. Do your siblings have any interest in getting to know their biological father? They speak to him on the phone. I don't know if they have an interest in seeing him in person or to the degree that they're where they are. I definitely have more of a relationship, and I'm more involved with that family than they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my dad lives in Canada, so it's not easy to get there. You have to, you know, you have to have a passport to get to Canada. And there's been a lot of rules around COVID and things. And I'm lucky enough that I have the means to do that. So it's a it's a little bit different for me than it is for them. Mm-hmm. And initially it kind of brought us kind of closer together, but now we're kind of back to how we were where we don't really talk a ton and we don't we certainly don't discuss our relationship with our parents anymore. We all have our own independent experiences. Ah, it's so interesting. So how is it going for you connecting with your dad? It's amazing. I actually just got home last night (laughs) from being in Canada. My husband and I went, we've gone twice now. Uh, The first time we went, we got to go to the island where my sister lives and spend some time. And this time we went to where my dad and my brother live and spent a few days up there and did a lot of fun things with them. Got to spend time with everyone. I got to meet my nephew and his wife for the first time. So it's been really, really great for me. I I speak to my dad two or three times a month on a video chat. I talk to my siblings. We text and, and those kinds of things. So I'm in touch with them quite regularly. Have you learned anything about that side of the family that has made things make sense for you? Like who you are as a person? It's interesting for me that I've always thought that I look like my mom and I do. I think my sister and I both will look look enough like our mom that no one would ever question anything Mm. that way. But the more time I spend with my siblings from my dad's side, the more I go, oh gosh, we, you know, we do look alike and we have similar mannerisms and we think the same things are funny. And my sister and I, I notice will listen to very similar music and 
you know, just, just things like that. But yeah, I mean, I think I was, I was with a biological parent. So for me, I never really questioned anything like that. You did get some genetic mirroring because you were with your siblings and you were with your mom. Correct. Your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was never anything that I felt too strange about. It's frustrating to have not been raised with family, meaning biological cousins or biological aunts and uncles. There just wasn't really much of that around for me. Mm -hmm. Do you have any of the what ifs, you know, looking back, what if your father had been involved in your life and, you know, you still would have had this step parent, right? You still probably would have had your stepdad, but if you'd been able to have him in your life, do you ever think about what that would be like? I do. I think about that a lot. I wonder if I would feel, you know, as connected as I do now, if we lived in a situation where we were going every other weekend or only on holidays because he lives in Canada. I wonder if I would like my stepmom. I think she's hilarious and she, you know, there's things about her that I love. But as an adult, you can have a different relationship with someone than if you were a child that was being partially raised by someone that's not your mom, so to speak, you know, or Mm -hmm. even my siblings, you know, we, my sister will tease my younger brother about how spoiled he was growing up and so that I you know I sometimes think oh I wonder if I would have thought he was spoiled and that would make me not like him or yeah yeah how would you say your feelings are toward your mom now yeah some days are just better than others here's an interesting twist in my story that I haven't shared with anyone yet um so I found out that my dad's an NPE well I found out a while ago but I got better information while I was visiting he was raised his grandparents, the youngest of I think six children, six or seven children. And he didn't know that his grandparents were his grandparents until someone called him and said, Hey, I'm your sister. And I get bits and pieces of the story that I sort of got more clarity on this weekend was that his biological mom was kind of a mess and social services at the time was going to take the children away. And they went to the house and his older sister, he was just a baby and his oldest older sister took him and hid in the canal overnight with him until social services had gone and left the house. And then she went to his grandparents and said, Hey, this is what happened. And they took him in and raised him as their own. Wow. Yeah. And he then later, later these sisters found him and he has quite a few siblings found out that his siblings that he was raised with were actually his aunts and uncles. And so he has kind of a crazy story as well. Um, and he was able to meet quite a few of his siblings before they passed away. This happened to him about 25 years ago is when he found mm-hmm. out. So, so well into adulthood for him. Well, well into, into adulthood. adulthood for him as well. Yes. It's, it's interesting how these are just so prevalent, like DNA surprises of all kinds. And mm-hmm. it's almost like generational even when Mm -hmm. they don't know, you know, he didn't know that you had a DNA surprise, but. Right. He has a sister that says DNA tests are just ruining the world and they're destroying families. And so we laugh about that. And I say, it's all true. That's all happening. But if without a DNA test, I don't know that we would ever found each other. I just don't know how we would have ever connected. Right. Absolutely. Especially because you had accepted the fact that he was gone. Mm -hmm. What are some things that have helped you work through this experience? Your story is so unique in the sense that, you know, you're not an NPE. You knew you you were adopted, 
but you also like grieved the loss of someone who then came back, so to speak, you know, in your mind, (laughs) but also had to grieve the loss of a relationship that you didn't have because you thought he was gone. So it's just really interesting and complex. And I'm wondering how you've been able to work through that. I would say the first year I just sort of walked around on a cloud. I think I was just so oblivious to all of the stuff. And I was just so happy about everything that I didn't really even think about my feelings or my emotions. I just was on cloud nine. And then after about the first year, I crashed. I just didn't know what to do with all those feelings and all those emotions and the anger and the frustration and the what ifs. And so I went to therapy for a while. I know that a lot of people have said they want a a therapist that's specifically, you know, geared towards DNA surprises. And that's a new thing. I I frankly looked for someone to help children with trauma because Mm. that's what it felt like was a childhood trauma, even though it took me the longest time to accept that I had had some childhood trauma. So I just, yeah, I worked with a family therapist. She was amazing. She had a lot of helpful tools and things like that. I was able to get a copy of my adoption file. So when I heard my mom's side of the story and my dad's side of the story, my biological dad's side of the story, I was able to sort of put the puzzle together with the documents and see, I think that might've made me more angry at my mom rather than less angry. Mm, How so? I feel like there's a lot of untruths in the documents. I feel like there's a lot of, you know, manipulation in order to get the the adoption legal. Mm. I was able to get a copy of my original birth certificate with my biological dad's name on it. And that was pretty healing for me to see that his name on there. Yeah. Yeah. And I had already been in the process of becoming a life coach and I have since become certified and I've been coaching for a few years now. So I'm helping other people like us in these situations. Um, And that can be quite helpful, obviously, when you're helping others that have a similar situation to you and you can see them feeling better or help them talk through things. It's that's a really nice thing. So that's really interesting to me. So you were already becoming a life coach and then this happened and you were like, ah, here's <laughs> here's an opportunity. Here's a niche, right? Of people right. that need help. Because like you said, um, there really aren't a ton of therapists that specialize in this. I know when I went through mine that like I I couldn't find anyone in Arizona who specialized in DNA surprises or NPEs and We'll probably start seeing more of it. But as a life coach, mm-hmm. you can help people everywhere, right? You you aren't limited to your state. Correct. And I think this, you know, there's always a blessing that can come out of negativity. And I think with COVID, Zoom calls are much more prevalent and, you know, doing things that way or have become much more prevalent. So I had always, I have a life coach that I've worked with off and on for 10 years. I continue to work with her. You know, she's been amazing in this with my journey with everything. And that's how we've always done it is via phone call or via Zooms. She doesn't live in the same state I do. Uh, So it's something that I'm quite used to doing anyway. But I think with COVID, people just being more accepting of it and it being more of a normal thing is really, really nice. So generally, I do everything over Zoom. Okay. So if people are interested in your life coaching, where can they find you? I am on Instagram. My organization, my coaching is called DNA Surprise Network. So I have a website, dnasurprisenetwork.com or Instagram, DNA Surprise Network. There's a link on my website and on my Instagram where they can uh, make an appointment with me, reach out to me. If they just, I mean, if anyone has any questions or any, you know, just wants to chat, feel free to reach out. And there's some resources on my website, you know, podcasts, books, different things like that, that I found helpful as I've been going through my journey 
very, very interested in listening or reading memoirs right now. So there's some, some great books on there that are kind of fun to read. Awesome. Okay. Now I'm really interested in your perspective on this as a life coach and also with such a unique DNA surprise journey. What advice would you have for someone, a parent who is keeping a DNA surprise from their child? Ultimately, I believe the best choice is to tell your child. I know that that's a very, very difficult thing to do. And I don't know that I would, you know, grab my five-year-old and say, hey, your dad's not your dad or, you know, something like that. But I do think that there are people in life like therapists that can help you, you know, figure out the right time, the best way to do it. I also believe that your child might be upset and angry with you, but I think ultimately in the long run, the truth is the best way to go. And at least they will have heard it from you instead of someone else. And what advice would you have for someone who just uncovered a DNA surprise? Go slow. It's very, it's really hard not to jump in with both feet, but sometimes that can be hazardous, if you will. I just, you know, I just would invite them to go slow. Okay. We have an announcement. <laughs> I feel yes. like we need like a drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> so Debbie and I have actually connected previously. We connected on social media. We met at a healing retreat and since have connected and formed a friendship and um, a bond over our similar experiences and our desire to help people through the work that we're doing, Um, mine through the podcast and Debbie through her coaching. And Debbie, do you want to say what's coming (laughs) So as Alexa said, we, we just really bonded when we met in person, but we have decided to host our own healing retreat. So DNA Surprises podcast and DNA Surprise Network have joined together and we are going to hold our inaugural DNA Surprise retreat in 2023, May 4th through the 7th in my hometown of Tucson, Arizona. And we are so excited to bring this to everyone. We believe in the power of connection and healing, and we're going to offer sessions on trauma, grief, self-compassion, self-care. There will be food, fun, and really the, the goal is to focus on acknowledging what's happened to us and then empowering ourselves to heal and move forward. Our slogan for this is a bridge to healing because day one is going to center a lot on the initial aftershock of a DNA surprise and the emotions that we feel as we go through that. And then day two is going to be all about stepping into your power and learning how to take care of yourself, learning how to cope, learning how to own your new identity. And we are still finalizing details, but we do have some facilitators already locked in, and we're really excited about that. Um, You can go to dnasurpriseretreat.com and sign up for our newsletter so that you don't miss any updates. We are going to launch registration in early November. So stay tuned for more information, but we wanted to let you all know because we're just so excited about this opportunity to connect. And if you're listening and the podcast has helped you 
and you want to connect with other people, um, this is a really great space to do that. As Alexa said, it's a bridge to healing. We really want to focus on moving forward, moving through our experience and getting sort of to the other side so that we can heal and feel good about our situations and our circumstances. Yep. So you can follow the DNA Surprise Retreat at DNA Surprise Retreat on Instagram. You can follow both Debbie and I on social media too. We'll be posting about it. I really look forward to connecting with other people in the DNA Surprise community next year. Me too. We're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a really good experience. It's going to be a fun time for everybody to just focus on their healing and have a fun time while doing so. So mark your calendars, May 4th through the 7th, 2023, and head over to the website, dnasurpriseretreat.com to sign up for the newsletter and stay up to date with all of our announcements. Thank you so much, Debbie, for joining me today and telling your story and announcing the retreat with me. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that we connected and... I know we'll probably be talking tomorrow via text, but I wish you the best of luck um, as you continue your journey and building your relationship with your dad. Thank you. Thank you, Alexis. It's always fun to hang out with you and some and share some time with you. So I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to not only share my story, but to have a fabulous retreat with you. Thanks again to Debbie for coming on and sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise story that you'd like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time.